Welcome to the November 8th Management Articles of the Angus Beef Bulletin Extra. Thanks for joining us here at Angus Beef Bulletin Audio. I'm Casey Brown, Managing Editor of Audio for the Angus Beef Bulletin. If you have questions or comments, please let us know at abbeditorial at angus.org. Now let's get started. Tips on selecting replacement heifers. Cows that can't make a living on grass will call themselves by Heather Smith Thomas. Most stockmen try to keep an adequate number of replacements, usually selecting heifers from their best cows, sired by bulls that pass good maternal traits to daughters. Producers can select from a variety of criteria and tools to assist selection, and most producers have certain goals they'd like to reach. Commercial cattlemen want heifers that will be fertile, productive, long-lived cows that stay in the herd a long time and produce good calves. Purebred breeders want heifers that will produce high-quality seed stock, bulls or females, for customers. Some breeders look first at performance records and then visually evaluate heifers, while others make their first sort in the corral or pasture and use records as a tiebreaker. Brian Driscoll of Driscoll Cattle Company in Central South Dakota always looks at the cows first. We pay attention to udders and teat structure and also want females that are easy keeping, he explains. If the mother of that heifer is an easy keeper and doesn't fall apart while raising a calf, typically her heifer calf will follow suit and be able to go out and make a living in range conditions. The hard-keeping cows tend to cull themselves. Driscoll says it is easier to choose good heifers out of your own herd because the mothers of those heifers give a lot of information. If you go to a sale to buy replacements, it's a guessing game, says Driscoll. Sometimes you get a bad one in the bunch when you pick out of your own cows, but not as often. Bulls need to sire good daughters, he adds. The bull's mother is very important, probably more important than his sire. A cow herd is built on the cows, not the bulls. Driscoll says he always tries to look at the maternal side of the pedigree as much as the paternal side. His tip, it generally boils down to if you like the cows, you're probably going to like their calves. A good cow that holds together and remains in the herd a long time, raising good calves without problems, will probably have a daughter with good longevity, Driscoll says. Ideally, you would pick all of your replacements out of the 10-year-old cows because they've been in your herd long enough to prove themselves and you know what they can do. You also know what their udders are like, he adds. On the other hand, a 2-year-old or 3-year-old cow's udder may look okay, but break down by the time she's a 5-year-old. The older cow has stood the test of time, and her daughter will probably do the same. Some guys put more emphasis on performance and select the biggest heifers, but the biggest calf in the bunch might not have the best mother, Driscoll says. That calf might have had the best year of her life, but as she matures and gets older, she might have problems like poor udder and bad teats, etc. There are many important things, udder, conformation and leg structure, disposition, etc., that are more important than size. Selecting the biggest heifers have gotten many people in trouble, gradually increasing frame size of their cattle. Their cows have gotten bigger and less efficient. 30 years ago, there were many 1,200-pound cows, and now there are a lot of 1,500-pound cows and even bigger, and they may not maintain themselves as well. Here in the western states, cows have to be able to make a living on grass. Their feet and legs must be good so they can travel in big country. They must be able to feed their calf and stay in adequate condition to breed back, says Driscoll, noting the current drought put a lot of cows to the test. The cows that aren't making a living will cull themselves because they will be open, he concludes. It's wise to keep heifers from good cows that were able to stay in the herd. Editor's note, Heather Smith-Thomas is a freelance writer and cattlewoman from Salmon, Idaho. Six tax-efficient ways to transfer wealth to the next generation. 
Learn the best ways to transfer your operation the way you want it to happen by Jenna Faust with CLA LLP. As the saying goes, you can't take it with you. So where do you want your wealth to go when you're gone? There are three places your assets can end up after your death, taxes, charity, or to loved ones as an inheritance. For those who are subject to high estate taxes, proactive planning can help direct more wealth to the latter two buckets and less to the government. The first step in a successful wealth transfer plan is to identify legacy goals and objectives. If a top priority is retaining wealth during transfer to the next generation, consider utilizing these tax-efficient techniques. 1. Annual Gifting The annual gift tax exclusion for 2022 is $16,000, or $32,000 for spouses splitting gifts, per donee. Up to this amount can be gifted to any number of people per year without having to pay gift tax. Anything above this limit will reduce the individual's federal lifetime exemption and will require the filing of a gift tax return. Giving away the maximum amount every year can be a meaningful way to shift wealth to the next generation. 2. Direct Payments Making direct payments for qualified medical care or educational expenses on behalf of a loved one is a simple and straightforward gifting strategy. For example, if a grandparent wants to give more than the annual gifting limit to a college-aged grandchild, many schools will allow the grandparent to pay tuition directly and avoid any gift tax consequences. There are no limits on the amount of these gifts, but they must be paid directly to the institution rather than the recipient. Otherwise, it could be subject to gift taxes. Number three, Roth IRA conversions. Depending on your income tax bracket and overall financial situation, it could make sense to convert some or all traditional IRA assets to Roth IRAs. In the year the conversion takes place, the account owner will pay income taxes on the amount converted. As a result, the assets in the Roth IRA can grow tax-free and eventually be distributed tax-free to the beneficiaries, which can be a spouse, children, grandchildren, and others. Number four, intrafamily lending. The IRS has established special interest rates called Applicable Federal Rates, AFR, for intrafamily loans, and these rates are typically lower than commercial lending rates. This can be an effective family wealth planning strategy for individuals wanting to give for a, for a specific use, like home purchase, business startup, and similar purposes. It can be an especially appealing option in the current low interest rate environment. Just be sure to properly document and structure the loan according to IRS rules. Number five, irrevocable grantor trusts. Selling appreciating assets to an irrevocable grantor trust, IGT, held for the benefit of heirs is another potentially attractive planning strategy in a low interest rate environment. Doing so removes the transferred assets plus any future appreciation out of the grantor's estate while retaining access to a certain level of cash flow. Common types of IGTs include the Grantor Retained Annuity Trust and Intentionally Defective Grantor Trust. Number six, plan and educate heirs. Transferring wealth is only half the battle. Before any plan is implemented, you need to verify those on the receiving end are prepared for it. A study reported in Money Magazine found that 70% of the time family assets are lost from one generation to the next. Oftentimes, it's because heirs aren't financially literate on money matters, in part because parents and grandparents are uncomfortable discussing it. Many simply don't believe their children or grandchildren are responsible enough to handle an inheritance. 
It's up to you to change that by having open and honest conversations with those who will be the recipients. Talk about the desired long-term objectives for the wealth and help them to understand the role they play. Determining which wealth transfer strategies to employ depends upon your goals and personal financial situation. Timing is likely to make a difference too. The sooner you begin, the more likely you are to see your plan implemented the way you wish. It may be helpful to collaborate with a team of financial planning, tax, and estate planning professionals to help guide decisions for you, your family, and your legacy. Editor's note, Jenna Faust is a Senior Wealth Advisor with CLA LLP. This article was originally published August 20th, 2019. It was updated on September 9th, 2022 to reflect current figures. The information contained herein is general in nature and is not intended and should not be construed as legal, accounting, investment, or tax advice or opinion provided by Clifton Larson Allen LLP to the reader. For more information, visit CLAConnect.com. CLA exists to create opportunities for our clients, our people, and our communities through our industry-focused wealth advisory, digital audio or audit, tax, consulting, and outsourcing services. Investment advisory services are offered through Clifton Larson Allen Wealth Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Low-stress handling reduces shrink. Beef cattle experts offer tips on reducing calf weight loss at sale time. By Lisa Mosier with K-State Research and Extension. Moving is stressful, whether to a new school, job, or town. In much the same way, a change of environment will cause beef cattle to be stressed, said the experts at Kansas State University's Beef Cattle Institute. When cattle are stressed, the first thing they do is urinate and defecate, which leads to immediate weight loss, said K-State veterinarian Brad White. The weight loss can cause producers lost income, said nutritionist Philip Lancaster. When we take cattle to the sale barn, we're getting paid by the pound, so we need to reduce the amount of shrink those cattle experience as much as possible, Lancaster said. White explained shrink as the amount of weight lost prior to when they are sold. He cited a K-State study that measured the amount of shrink that 700-pound calves typically experience. The calves were driven on a trailer two hours away and brought back to their starting facility. Our study showed that the cattle lost 5% to 6% of their total body weight, and most of that loss happened immediately when we put them in a loading situation, White said. Veterinarian Bob Larson said that amount of loss is not uncommon. Producers can expect cattle will lose at least 2-3%, to and that amount is unavoidable. However, he added that there are ways to keep that percentage from climbing higher. To put that into perspective, White said that 5% loss on a 500-pound calf is 25 pounds. If you told me that I could add 25 pounds of weaning weight on my calves, I'd be doing everything I could to implement those strategies, he said. The experts agree that moving cattle in a way that minimizes the amount of stress they experience is important. Make sure your facilities are set up in a way that the cattle can easily move through them and avoid injury, Larson said. Lancaster said it is important to keep cattle from standing in a holding pen for long periods of time. That is true regarding the amount of time they spend standing at the sale facility, too, according to Larson. To minimize shrink, you need to move cattle in a quiet way, get them loaded smoothly, and deliver them to the auction facility close to sale time, Larson said. To hear the full discussion, listen to the Cattle Chat podcast online. Editor's note, Lisa Mosier is a communication strategist and instructor for K-State Research and Extension.